Welcome to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network, a show that streams health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. You can download all Kidney Talk shows from iTunes and find a variety of resources to help you navigate this illness at rsnhope.org. Please welcome your host, Lori Hartwell, who has lived with kidney disease since the age of two. Well, welcome to Kidney Talk. Today, um, we're going to be speaking to a very special lady. Her name is Lubna Akbani, and she's a renal dietitian, and she works for Fresenius Medical Care as a top specialist. And what I found really interesting is I ran into her at a meeting, and I learned that she um, was a dietitian and then went through the whole experience as with renal failure and now she's using her expertise to help educate people to choose which treatment option they have and I found that that was pretty amazing and I can't wait to hear her story and how she helps educate people from her own personal perspective so welcome to the show Lubna thank you Lori thank you so much for having me on your show tell us a little bit about how you learned um, you had kidney failure and what was the progression like so I found out that I uh, was a potential kidney patient when I was pregnant with my uh, firstborn. Uh, I was five months pregnant and uh, I was sent to the gynecologist uh, by my primary care when we learned that I was pregnant. And uh, they did a dip test, a urine dip test in mm-hmm. the office and found that I was spilling a lot of proteins. And uh, on further investigation, they found that uh, I was spilling the proteins because of my pregnancy, because the pregnancy was having an effect on my kidneys. So the way they explained it to me, Lori, was that um, as your immunoglobulins increase when you are pregnant, as your body is trying to abort the child, the first three months are very important, very delicate for the baby. And once the child has, you know, is uh, once the fetus uh, forms, then um, the antibodies sort of calm down and, um, you know, everything goes fine. In my case, the way I understood it is that the shutoff valve was broken by the time they realized I was pregnant. And... So the antibodies kept rising. I went through my pregnancy. Towards the end of my pregnancy, by the seventh month, I was in full-blown toxemia. I had to have a premature child uh, going through C-section. And after the child's birth, they did a biopsy to see what was going on and found that I had sclerotic disease. Yet you're, basically your immune system became overreactive and shut down your kidneys. Correct. <laughs> it started affecting my kidneys as the globulins were going through. They were tearing. Yeah, because the they're, tissue. you know, what I think is so interesting, a lot of people don't understand, and I mean, I know you know this, but your kidneys are like, the veins are so tiny, so whenever your blood pressure is high or your uh, glucose levels are off, um, it's like shars your kidney. It like scratches it. It scratches the inside vessels and it scars it. And that's what actually leads to kidney failure. That's my uh, generic understanding. <laughs> that, that was my generic understanding as well. well. I'm glad we are on the same page. Yes, until I got more into uh, learning about the kidney and understanding the disease process, because now it was also affecting me, I started doing a lot more research, and then I thought this was my calling, and I became a renal dietitian. So uh, what year was this, and, and how was your child today? 
Oh, my child is beautiful. He's grown. He's a 23-year-old, um, engaged, about to be married oh my. Uh, in a couple of years. <laughs> and um, I, I just have to ask this because when I saw you, you look really, really young. And so I'm like wondering, how old were you when you had him? Because you must have been like 10. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was that young. Uh, thank you for the compliment, though, Laurie. I did not expect that. Um, I was uh, 30 when I had him. Oh, Wow. Well, you, you, um, I need to, I, well, on another kidney talk, we'll talk about what kind of face cream you use, okay? Because I'm really <laughs> interested in that. And I know when you're on a certain amount of steroids, you know, can take some of the wrinkles out. I mean, that is a little bit of a secret to youth, but, um, you know, you look terrific. So, um, so your son's 23 and you decided to pursue a job as a renal dietitian or a dietitian that became a renal dietitian. So tell us a little bit about what that was like, because you obviously, um, you know, went through kidney failure, were on dialysis and had a transplant. And I think I'm jumping a little bit, but um, is that the case? That's correct. So uh, in between um, having my first child and uh, becoming a renal dietitian, I had another child who is now 19 years old. Um, and that further deteriorated my kidneys. So initially I had a 20% loss and by the time I had my second born, I had already lost 60% of my function. Oh, wow. And so I was now in stage three kidney disease and I had to watch very carefully what I ate, what I did, how I conducted myself because that would only further deteriorate the kidneys mm-hmm. uh, from there on. Um, so... Um, in 1998, when my child was about a year, my second born was about a year and a half, I decided that I wanted to work as a renal dietitian, and I uh, pursued that. Um, I worked for a freestanding clinic for about three and a half years, um, polished my edges, and uh, almost 18, 19 years, uh, now I am a certified specialist in renal nutrition. So here you go. Here you go. And so how long were you on dialysis and what? how long did it take you to get a transplant? Okay, so I uh, was very, uh, since I had known about the disease, uh, preemptively I had gotten on a list um, of, trans- on a transplant list uh, almost two years prior to my uh, starting dialysis. Uh, I was on dialysis for four years. And by the end, so about six years into the process um, and changing my um, uh, center of transplant from L.A. to San Diego also helped. Um, at that time, San Diego had a shorter wait list. Mm-hmm. So I got my transplant four years into dialysis and I have been transplanted eight years now. Oh, that's wonderful. I know one of the things that you're doing now is you're helping people who, you know, need to choose a treatment option, understand all the different options available. So can maybe you can you go through the different options and uh, how you would educate a patient? Sure. Um, What I generally do is um, I we, we basically have four options for our patients uh, when we first start them off. Um, I would uh, go through what kidney disease is. I basically show them how it, how diabetes or hypertension, like high blood pressure, would affect the kidney tissue, like we spoke a little earlier. And uh, 
uh, once I introduce them to the disease process, then I go ahead and I get into the treatment options that we offer. Um, so basically, once the patient has uh, come to stage four, almost stage five, that means losing their kidney function to about down to about 10%, 15%. Um, we don't want to wait that far. We go ahead and start educating our patients um, by the time they are on stage four usually. Uh, mm-hmm. But sometimes it just so happens that some patients are not aware that they have kidney failure and they end up crashing and end up in uh, the ER with uh, uh, very high toxin levels having to start emergent uh, dialysis. And in those cases, uh, we do have some patients that are not uh, educated enough. Um, So I do educate people who are already on dialysis as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Try to uh, teach them that they do have other options than being in-center dialysis. So let me go through uh, all the four different stages or four different types of dialysis that we offer. Okay. Okay, so uh, obviously a lot of people are aware that there is in-center dialysis where um, you have a, an access placed into your arm and you go into a center, you um, basically are um, in a chair, there are trained uh, professionals um, that will come and dialyze you. That's the in-center hemo. And one of the things too that you know I'm sure you tried to educate people on is that uh, you have to have an access in your arm or leg for them to access your bloodstream, but it does require needles. And so many patients end up getting a catheter and they don't want to get it switched because of the fact that I don't want to get stuck. Um, and it's it's I totally understand that. <laughs> but at the same time, um, it's the highest cause of mortality or one of the highest causes of mortality of keeping an open catheter. Um, in your bloodstream that's in your neck or in your chest. So um, just wanted to make that little point. <laughs> Thank you, Lori, for highlighting that. Um, I, w- I was planning on getting into that a little uh into that little detail, but thank you very much for bringing it up. And yes, so when you do have that catheter, because the catheter is now sitting straight in your heart, mm-hmm. uh, it does uh, put you at risk of any kind of infections and uh, least to say that these infections are going straight into your heart and you can get uh, pericarditis and uh, other such fun um, problems that you definitely don't want to have. Um, so the in-center part is where, where uh, patients do have to get an access either in their arm or in the leg, and uh, we do use uh, needles. We start out with uh, very uh, smaller cage needles, but as uh, the catheter, uh, sorry, as the access develops, we do go on and move on to uh, uh, 16 and then 17 gauge needles um, for the dialysis purposes. Um, So that is in-center hemodialysis. And uh, besides that, we also offer home dialysis. Now at home, we have, again, uh, two two types of dialysis. One is the peritoneal dialysis. Within peritoneal dialysis, what ends up happening is you do have a catheter that is placed in the lining of your stomach, the mm-hmm. peritoneum. The peritoneal. Peritoneal was my favorite, just full disclosure. 
transplant's my favorite, but peritoneal, um, I was on it for nine years. <laughs> and uh, it's, yes, so, but oh, okay, I'll let you continue. Yes, the four years that I was on dialysis, I mm -hmm. was also on peritoneal dialysis. So, um, the, the P, uh, PD is what we will call it for short, uh, mm -hmm. peritoneal dialysis, PD. Uh, patients uh, who want to do PD, they have a catheter that is placed in the lining of the stomach and uh, this catheter then hooks up to your device. Um, we, uh, the benefit of this is that the patient can dialyze in the comfort of their home and uh, sometimes, uh, you know, they like that because they don't want to be, um, you know, they want to have their own schedules. Mm -hmm. um, so, what we do is uh, with PD is we'll bring the patients in. We'll have we'll we'll refer the patient to a or to a surgeon. We have the doctors refer the patient to a surgeon. Have the catheter inserted, and it takes about two weeks for the catheter to kind of settle in. Uh, we do flushes during that time so that the blood does not build up. We do we do flushes. The flushes also help with fibrin. Um, these are small protein molecules. Uh, you know they are like. They're literally like threads that mm -hmm. uh, the the body kind of uh, produces to heal the surface that has been affected. And uh, those fibrins, if they um, stay in, in the peritoneum too long, they can clog up the catheter. So the catheter needs to be flushed every so often, every once a day. We bring the patient in, we flush the catheter, and we slowly start training the patient how to do this on their own. So within the PD treatment option, we have two um, options. One is where they can do CAPD, which is continuous ambulatory peritoneal dialysis. In this process, what happens is that they are doing exchanges during the day. An exchange is where you put in fluid into your peritoneum, you let it sit there or dwell for about four hours, four and a half hours, and then after that, you rehook up to another to um, to a device and you drain yourself. And this is all very portable too, you know. I mean, it was funny because people think, well, and it's like you know, I used to do them, you know, in the car or take one to a friend. It's very, very portable, and it takes about. I would say 15 to 30 minutes, depending, um, you know, 20 to 30 minutes to do an exchange. Um, is is that correct? I mean, so when people hear it, sometimes they get, oh, my God, I'm just dialyzing all the time. No, you could actually be doing something and you're actually dialyzing. <laughs> so and you can move around. <laughs> That's correct, Laurie. And that is why it's called the ambulatory, where you can move around. So you have, you're, you're sitting in one position for about 15 to 20 minutes while you finish the whole process. So you drain the, the liquid from your peritoneum, which has all the toxins. And once it's drained, it takes about five to seven minutes, depending on your, um, lining. And then you just refill new solution into you and you unhook yourself. Off to go. Off you are ready to go. Let me just specify. You know what's really crazy about this is when, but people don't understand when you would drain your peritoneal 
fluid. It literally looks like urine. There's no blood involved. You don't see any blood. So it's, it's, and there's no needles. So that was the benefit that I preferred about um, peritoneal. I didn't have to be stuck all the time. And, and it is like when you're draining, it looks like you, your the bag looks like it's a yellow colored urine, which I find fascinating. Your the body's so miraculous. So. It sure is. You're <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and so uh, th- this is one part of it. The other part is where exactly the same process takes place, but you're hooked up to a machine, and the machine does all the work for you, and you do it at night while you sleep. Mm-hmm. Now, PD I find is the best solution because. You're dialyzing on a daily basis, and so the toxins don't build up. Right. When they don't build up, you don't have as much side effects from the dialysis. I found myself having to drink more because I could easily pull a fluid with a 1.5 or a 2.5 would like suck me dry, and I was um, extremely um, sensitive. So... I had to drink more fluid when I was on PD, which I think helped me cope for the nine years I was on because I never was extremely limited in fluid. And and I, I like to make that point because people are on incent or hemo, and if they have the chance to do more dialysis or PD or something, it's, you know, fluid is such a, a natural part of enjoying life. And when it's restricted, I know I felt depressed. <laughs> Because <laughs> I couldn't drink what I wanted to drink, and um, it, it, it has a psychological effect on you. But you know what, Lori? I would be very careful uh, with how much you drink because not everybody can drain that much on a lower um, concentration. And um, it also depends on how much function you have left kidney function you have left. This is true. I was very sensitive and, you know, basically never felt like I was deprived of fluid. And, you know, I didn't go out and drink a big gulp or anything like that on a daily basis. But I never felt like, oh, I can't have that cup of coffee or something. And it just gave me more freedom than when I was on hemo. Um, Because on hemo, I had no kidneys on both. So I was extremely restricted (laughs) on, on both modalities. And PD just gave me a little bit more leniency in my fluid. Right. Besides the fluid leniency, it also gives you leniency in the amount of salt you can eat and the potassium you can eat. Yes. Uh, because of the way the exchange takes place, uh, it drains you of a lot of salts from your body. And so we actually encourage our patients to, we, we liberalize the diet to the point where we are actually encouraging the patients to eat bananas and oranges and other high potassium fruits. Um, so the patients are very happy about that. I know that. Yes, definitely. And so, um, so you have, uh, and the machine isn't that big. It's I, I was on um, the cycler for about six years, and I preferred that because I had my days free. And then I, I think this is still the procedure. But if you want to go on manual exchanges, it's it's easy to switch to manual if you want. But you can't go from manual to cycler. <laughs> so, um, you know, if I wanted to go on a trip and not take the machine for the weekend, I could just switch to doing manual, which is, uh, I found very convenient for my lifestyle. Correct. So I just wanted to recap the advantages of peritoneal dialysis. So the treatments can be done by yourself. You don't need a partner. The, there are no needles involved. You can do it on your own flexible schedule. Um, if you can do it in the comfort of your home. The, mm-hmm. it facilitates maintain usual lifestyle. So you have more time with your family and friends and activities that you're used to doing. 
Uh, you can go back to work, for example, or go back to school if you need to. So it does give you that flexibility. It also has, like you said, fluid restrictions, lesser fluid restriction and diet restrictions because it's done on a daily basis, so things don't pile up. And um, if you do decide to go with the machine, the machine is very portable, it's easy to travel. And uh, besides, one big thing that a lot of people don't realize is with peritoneal dialysis, you end up uh, retaining your renal function. Right, because you don't get dried out. Correct. And your residual renal function, because this is so close to what the body does, you don't end up losing all the urine output. Even if you can make one cup a day of urine, that helps clear your um, fluid, for example, hugely, mm-hmm. right? So these are all the advantages that I talk about with my patients because, and, and I prefer to go this route because I was afraid of needles myself. Although I work in the health field, but it still was very difficult for me. Well, and then, you know, I, I did have peritonitis. Um, that is one of the disadvantages, but you can get an infection with either either hemodialysis or peritoneal. And um, did you ever have peritonitis? And I mean, you know, it's not common if you have a good technique, and, but it does happen. And uh, can you just explain a little bit about that's, I guess, the disadvantage? Sure. So that was what I was going to get into next is the disadvantages of peritoneal dialysis where uh, there's a potential for infection. So there is an aseptic method that you have to follow because now you have a catheter that is directly in your in your body. So you have to mask, you have to wash up correctly, you have to clean the surface around where you are doing your dialysis. Um, you also have to make sure that there are no pets in the room while you are doing dialysis because that is um, that is a, a no-no in the sense that pet dander can get into the peritoneum and it's not something you can see. It is invisible to the naked eye. And so you have to be very careful about that. So you can't let your cat help you do an exchange. No, I'm sorry. You cannot. Oh. Your cats and your dogs. And your birds. And the room. <laughs> everything have to be out. <laughs> right. Um, the other uh, disadvantage of doing serotonin dialysis is that there is a protein washout. Um, just like the toxins uh, go into the solution, there's an exchange that takes place. The proteins, uh, huge amounts of proteins also wash into the dialysate and uh, get thrown out of your body. So you have to eat a lot more proteins uh, during this kind of dialysis. Yes, you have to eat a lot of protein. Sometimes you're like, I don't want to eat anymore. So you have to be creative and sometimes use protein powders or something. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what I would do. Or egg whites or something that, you know, you get more protein. Because it, it sometimes can be challenging, but you have to do that to ensure you keep a good albumin level and um, stay well. Right. But uh, that that's the thing. And, you know, you will be uh, monitored monthly and mm-hmm. uh, a dietitian, a social worker, a nurse and your doctor. This is your team of uh, health providers, health workers that will be taking part in your health, uh, you know, in your health care. And each one of them plays a different part in your life. And so when when you are assessed, your labs are assessed, a dietitian will see that she will come and talk to you and ask you why you're whether you're eating or not eating, whether your appetite was good or not. And, you know, if she sees that your proteins are falling, she will have to, she will come, uh, come up with 
a variety of ideas how you can incorporate more proteins in your diet. Um, the social workers are there. The nurses are there on call 24-7 if you have any problem. And if you are on the machine, you have the technical support from the company that makes the machine. So that way, we don't leave you out in the open. We are there to support you through the whole system. It, it is. It's um. You have a lot of support with PD. And uh, Lubnan, some people can't do um, PD because of medical reasons. Is that correct? That is correct, Lori. Um we we do assess if the membrane is uh, even practical for us to use. If you have had a lot of abdominal surgeries, for example, uh, what ends up happening is that there's a lot of scar tissue and you're not able to get very good dialysis through the scars because the scar has, uh, there's no function wherever there's scar tissue. And so we do screen our patients very carefully to see if they are uh, appropriate to go on home dialysis and if they are appropriate to go on peritoneal dialysis. I know it is. It's um. I I have a couple of friends that have been on PD for like twelve years, thirteen years, and that's a very long time because your peritoneum wears out, and then they have to switch to hemo, and it's quite traumatic. Um. Well, just to kind of close, um. You know, there. Uh, I, I think it's incredible that you're able to share your own experience with patients as a somebody who's been on the treatment is um surely inspiring and also um you know meaningful because we've been there done that uh there's a few other options we probably won't have time to touch on today can you just um you know maybe list list some of them like um, nocturnal in-center hemo home daily home hemo there's a variety of home hemo type of programs and in-center programs that are developing in the country that might meet somebody's needs and they have to they have to, you know, do your homework. People have to get on the Internet. And, you know, one of the things I find is helpful is just talking to other patients, going to meetings, um, finding out what's best for your lifestyle. That is correct. So as Laurie mentioned, there is in-center hemodialysis. There is in-center nocturnal hemodialysis. There is home hemodialysis. Now, but for the home hemodialysis, you do need a partner, Um there is peritoneal dialysis. Within peritoneal, we have CAPD, the ambulatory kind, and the CCPD, the continuous kind, where you use a machine. Besides that, you can also have the option of a transplant. Uh, I believe we can talk about that uh, another time. Yes. Because that's an extensive uh, subject by itself. Um, we, you know, there are some patients who at the end of it all may want to have another option, which is palliative care. They do have that option open where they may decide that I have had a fulfilling life and I do want to go in peace. And so then we do have doctors that will refer you to palliative care and make you comfortable. And uh, we have social workers who will discuss with you end-of-life situations and uh, et cetera, et cetera. I know no treatment is, um, and I've heard um, some stories about people choosing no treatment and they, you know, they live not, you know, it's not like weeks, two weeks, sometimes it is, but sometimes it's it's a year or sometimes, and that's the way they want to live their end of their life. And I think it's important to be informed of all choices. And because I know if I was, since I've done this before, I know what's involved. And if I was 90 years old and didn't have an access site and they couldn't get, um, you know, I wasn't a good candidate for surgery, um, 
I, I wouldn't tell my 90-year-old self to go on dialysis, <laughs> um, you know, just based on what I know. And because it would be a lot of suffering and a lot of problems at the end of trying to just get a treatment and may not be the way I want to spend my end days. But you know what? Things change when you get older. Your perspective, your, your will to live is so strong that you never know until you're in a situation. Well, to wrap up, Lubna, um, uh, tell us a little bit about, so what's your creatinine today and uh, what um, what's going on in your life today? Thank, I, I really thank God for all the blessings that he has given me. Mm-hmm. Um, my creatinine today is less than one. It's 0.9. Mm-hmm. And um, I am uh, working full time. I have uh, a full social life. I have two uh, grown kids. I am very involved in their lives. I have a college-going kid and a kid who's already working, getting ready to get married. And uh, so I, uh, my life is full of sunshine, thank God. Yes. And I'm really blessed. Well, you know what? You, you help so many other people, and I think that's the secret to happiness is helping others. And it's been a pleasure to, you know, hear your story. And um, it's the Fresenius uh, Medical Care has a top um, program where they help educate people about treatment options and it's important to know all of them and I think one more thing before we close is that people don't know this but they can switch treatments you you might start it on instant or hemo but you could talk to your doctor and say hey I want to try PD and and that's your right if if, it, if you're a medical candidate to do so um, and I, I find sometimes people think they have to stick with an option and they don't you are right you always have options open to you and you have a right to find out about those options. Well, thank you, Lubna. And I, you know what, I feel like I've just prompted you to say I'm right. And I tell my husband a lot of time, I thought I was wrong once, but I was mistaken. And um, <laughs> you seem to confirm. No, I'm just kidding. But thank you so much. No, um, no, it is. It is there, right. <laughs> I do agree. <laughs> All right. Well, have a great day and uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you, Thanks for listening to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network. Please make sure to find us on Facebook or sign up for our newsletter at rsnhope.org. Kidney Talk is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own health care provider regarding your medical condition.